0: Hail Britannia! The London series is over, and unlike the last series in London, this one resembled baseball. This is Locked On MLB.
1: You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to the Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. This is the weekly crossover where these two hosts of these two shows get together to talk about baseball, bring up the Arizona Diamondbacks, and the state of baseball as we know it. I am the host of Locked On MLB. My name is Paul Francis Sullivan. Right there, you can call me Sully or Sully Baseball. I guess that's my alter ego. That's my Batman-like alter ego. I'm an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been... A baseball podcaster for well over a decade, and I've been here at the Lockdown Podcast Network for the last five years i think it is and mm. right over here right there is the host of locked on diamondbacks sign in please
1: yes miller thomas host of the locked on diamondbacks podcast you can catch me on twitter check out my personal account at creative thomas 24 if you want to drop a follow if you want to follow the show account just look up locked on diamondbacks both twitter instagram where we're of course on all your podcasting platforms and we're on youtube so please hit subscribe on the locked on diamondbacks youtube channel And you
0: can follow us at uh, some mentioned locked on MLB pods on Twitter, Instagram. I'm Sully at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast Instagram. Not sure if I did. I just did. Follow us on YouTube, subscribe. We're trying to reach one billion followers by the end of the season. We're several hundred million short. Um, yeah, I had a really fun show. You're going to listen to the show on Friday. uh, Peter Pratt, the host of Locked On Marlins, was my my guest, and Peter is. Lives in England, and as most Marlin fans do, and he attended the games. and I asked him, uh, "Do you want to be on the show after the series?" He said, "No, beforehand, because he will be drinking." Mm -hmm. So, um, let's. But he was telling me about how the fact that the the they're doing a lot to try to get some, uh, to get a sense of excitement and a buzz about it. Obviously, the last time they did it was Red Sox Yankees. And there are a lot of New York fans and Boston fans in London, Uh, not as many Midwestern fans in London. But I have to say, you know, the first the first game was a blowout. The Cubs blew the doors off the dump and then they were up four nothing before St. Louis even came to bat in the second game. And I kind of thought, you know, this may be a bit of a bust. But the second game was a good game. Cardinals came back, and you know, even though they were down four nothing, they came back. And they won the game seven to five, and despite a horrible first inning, the Cardinals woke up and actually started playing decent baseball. Um, but to the, I think the real credit has to go to the people who worked on the London Stadium because when the Reds, do you remember when the Red Sox and Yankees played there? And the, it was like Coors Field circa nineteen ninety five. Like it, it was just, it was the home runs oh, just you know like check swing home runs it was just not baseball like the and without the pitch clock the games were like five hours long and you were going this was a horrible advertisement for baseball in london but i think it was the second game was was fun and it certainly had a huge crowd and i think it has to be considered a success
1: yeah, it maybe it's success from that standpoint. But do you think baseball is actually doing a good job when trying to grow this international game? Because right now, I think my biggest issue when I look at baseball compared to other sports like the NFL, like the NFL has this reoccurring game every year in London mm-hmm. where they're starting to build roots and starting to really grow a fan base while MLB they're doing this thing where it's more like a, like an attraction they're kind of like the circus we roll through the town we roll through your country maybe once maybe every three years but it's not that consistency like the NFL where it feels like they're growing that fan base do you feel like MLB is doing a good job of doing that
0: wait a minute. are you telling me you're saying you think the NFL does a better job of promoting its game and building its fan base than Major League Baseball I might be in other news, water is wet. No, uh, the NFL. No, look at. I, I am. I am not a huge football fan. Um, I know a lot of people are, uh, but I'm in. I've always been in awe of how the NFL markets their teams, markets their sport, gets the. You know, they they have always been better. They've been. They've run laps around baseball in terms of building its sport and expanding its fan base. You could go back to the 1960s when Roselle was running the league and baseball had a chance to market their teams with merchandise and shirts and hats all over the place. And they shrugged at that. The NFL jumped at it and hugged it like a koala. And all of a sudden people were wearing football jerseys and everything all over the place. It doesn't matter if you played in Green Bay or Buffalo or New York. It was – they had stars all over the place, and they were the league that saw, hey, let's get our talents into London. Let's get our talents into to Europe long before baseball did any real work on that. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, the, the NFL has several decades had start, and it's also – it's easier, in a way, to set up a an American football game in London because you only play one game a week in football. Mm-hmm. So you can make it, and football has learned, the NFL has learned how to make their games into a spectacle, how to make their games into an event. Hell, the freaking draft is an event. Is there anything more dull and mundane than... The, the seventh pick, the New York Jets select wide receiver Joe Bagadonuts from Washington State. Ah, Joe Bagadonuts, he's gonna be great. You know, but that turns into an event, and there are people there, and there's dancers and everything. They know how to create a show. And so when they take their show on the road, it's a lot they've they've learned how to package their sport in in such a better way than baseball. And and probably the way that baseball but I think le- there are two things have happened this year that makes me think that you know maybe they're making progress. I think the World Baseball Classic for the first time felt like something uh, that there, there was a buzz about it that we've never had before. I think before, at least in America, it was always looked upon as extended spring training, and mm-hmm. I think this year it was actually exciting. And we actually got into, fans actually got into it in America. Um, and I think that this was a much better produced game, a much better the product that they sh- did this year than, they, than the, the catastrophe that was in 2019. I was saying this to Peter, in order to really get the Talons into Europe, which is what they want, they need to have players come out of Europe. They need a star that's born in England. They need a star that's born in Germany or France or Spain or Italy or wherever to make it to the major leagues. And then there may be that, you know, that bit of interest in the sense of, oh, you know, that they can really start to follow it. Um, but, I you know, they have – that requires – that requires baseball academies built there like they had in the dominican republic that requires scouting that requires creating you know marketing the game having little leagues in there in in europe i i told you that i when i was when i was uh nine or ten years old my family lived in europe and there was a group of americans had a little league that was there and we were playing basically on soccer fields and i remember a lot of swiss families were there we were in geneva switzerland like coming up to us, what is this game you're playing? It's, it's baseball. It's baseball. And there was a kid. There was a Swiss kid on our team named Andre, who could hit the snot out of the ball. And of course, I guarantee he never played baseball again. But I kept thinking, like, there's 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 a great player in Switzerland that they have to find. But that takes that takes groundwork, and it's a groundwork the NFL has already done, and baseball hasn't.
1: Yeah. And so what can baseball do to start laying that groundwork? Because I love the ideas that they're starting to put together with all these league series, because like you just mentioned, I think baseball is in a place where they want to change, where they bring in the Theo Epstein to work in the front office. And you've seen all the changes with the new rules the last couple of years and baseball really starting to reinvent and evolve the game and take it to another level and move it more into the modern era. And when I look at baseball, like they're doing this great thing where they go overseas and, playing these games in other, you know, overseas and doing all that, like it's creating this rarity where baseball might only be in your town for three days. So you better come get it while it's hot. But like you said, they need to start building roots down in these cities and maybe do a reoccurring thing where it's every year or there's some NFL teams. I think the lions are like signed to go to London, like every year, every other year. So maybe you get a baseball team where it's like, okay, you're always going to have a one series in Australia, or you're always going to have one series in London every single year because I don't think just one game every three every three years or whatever is going to leave that lasting impression, like you said. That family in Geneva, just watching baseball one time as a kid, I don't think is going to be a lasting no. impression. You need to grow up around the game. You need to see baseball every day. And right now, MLB's doing a great job. They're on the path there, but they're not quite there yet, I think, in terms of growing this game internationally.
0: I just came up with an idea. Let's throw it out there. Okay. Let's throw it out there. Maybe what needs to happen is in order to – build in order to, sh- to tap into not only the, the revenue streams of Europe, but the talent pool of Europe is because I think those are going to go hand in hand. You do see that there are people in America who follow things like the, the premier league in England or the top leagues in Spain in you know, football, you know, soccer leagues in Spain mm-hmm. and in Italy. Um, and you do see there are people in Europe who follow Baseball because you can follow it via the internet and everything, but maybe what Major League needs to Major League Baseball needs to do is to create basically thirty minor league teams in Europe, that each franchise has a minor league team. Now it will be of it will be you could call it the European League. Yeah, and you you know the best players there will go to high A in America, you know, but maybe most of the players there never get out of this European league, but you know, there is a chance that the best players will get a shot.
1: Yeah. You make it like a development thing from like development
0: league. Yeah. Development league throughout the European union. There are 30 cities in Europe that could support it. There are 30 franchises. And so if you do well enough, you can work your way up to, high A in America, and B in the pipeline to get to the major leagues. And that seems to be the, if you're going to find the talent, if you're going to find there's a dude in the Czech Republic who has a wicked curveball, or you find that there's a, someone in Finland who is the single greatest catcher of all time, some guy named Sven in Helsinki is the next Carlton Fisk or something like that. If we and if the Red Sox ever got a dude from Ireland, you know, those jerseys will be the best selling jersey in the history of baseball. That's the way you could say, okay, here's our European League and our best players get a shot to get to the majors. I think that's the way you have to do it.
1: Yeah, and I think I would want to be like an under 18 thing where it's like they're in the system from ages like mm. 8 to 18 or whatever. And then you put them basically in your normal MLB draft, and then you have a chance to draft them to your minor league. Look
0: least. at what the NBA has done. Yeah. The NBA has players from Spain, from Italy, from the former, from, you know, Eastern European countries, you know, the former Yugoslavia, which is now broken into 7,000 different countries. And the NBA is extraordinarily popular in Europe. And I think no small part of it is from, hey, I'm Greek, and that player's from Greece. I'm going to root for him. Yeah, and they also have,
1: like, camps and academies in all these countries, too, to help grow the game.
0: Same thing with the NHL. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How many players come from the Czech Republic? How many players come from Sweden? How many players come from Russia? God help anyone who's a radio broadcaster for a hockey team. By the way, I'll tell you a place where they have to go. Baseball has to go is Madrid. Madrid, absolutely. No I'm Spain. telling you cause, be because, because you, you you know there's there are great stadiums and everything that in Madrid great facilities in Madrid and so many of the major league stars are Spanish speakers and so to'd be able now granted you know it, it would be you know there's a lot of English-speaking stars are in England We's got have a lot of spanish-speaking stars in Madrid and Spain is sports crazy so I'm just saying.
1: Hey, I'm Spanish. You could send me out there right now. I would go cover some locked-on Spain baseball, whatever you need.
0: I by the way, I went to a bullfight in Madrid when I Yo, was a kid.
1: It's insane.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, you can hear that on locked-on bullfighting. But uh, so we come back. we are go back to American baseball and talk about the National League West, which is tightening up in a way that we would not have predicted at the mm-hmm. beginning of the year. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is the perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can make sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know if the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time after all it's easy to bring home a win but the parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices with ebaymotors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items apply and exclusions apply full disclosure as we're recording this The uh, Dodgers and Astros are just getting started. So we're not 100% sure what is happening in that game. But we do know that the National League West is getting tighter and tighter. And, well, going into this year, we all knew San Diego and L.A. were going to be in a dogfight for first place. Um, Little did we know San Diego would have a losing record at this point. L.A. is trying to uh, push into second place by themselves. The D Backs remain in first place, but the Giants have taken a gigantic crowbar and forced themselves into this playoff discussion. Now, the Diamondbacks did win the final game of the series against San Francisco, but the Giants won that series and played very, very good baseball. Um good for the D backs and Catel Marte for powering into the the victory today by McCovey Cove. Um, but the, the previous two games were really, um, you know, uh, confidence building victories for San Francisco. On the, the game on um, the game on Saturday, what was the wait? What was the final? I have it right here. The final score on Saturday was that was the uh, that was a seven to six game, mm-hmm. where the 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 D backs had a lead late, and then the Giants had a pair of two run rallies. And then the game on Friday was um, – I think that, that, was, that was the game that I was actually watching with my mother-in-law. And no. uh, that was the game where the Giants uh, – they had the big five-run rally in the eighth. Now, today, the D-backs made sure it was not a sweep because if the Giants had won that, they would have pulled within half a game. As it is right now, they're two and a half games back. And depending on whether or not Los Angeles wins, if Los Angeles wins, they'll be two back. If they lose, there'll be three back. But either way, we are in late June, and there are three talented teams bunched up super tight in the NL West. Uh, As our resident Diamondbacks guru, what are your thoughts on this? And are you worried about your team? And which one of those two teams are you most worried about at this time?
1: I mean, I'm still probably overall more worried about the Dodgers just because of their consistency over the last few years, the level of talent, the fact that they could go out there at the deadline and make any kind of move. But the Giants in this series definitely gave the D-backs a run for their money. I mean, they won the series. They took two out of three, and they kind of out-D-backed the D-backs. The D-backs all season have been called the answer-backs because of their ability to rally. But in this series, it was the Giants punching them in the mouth and Fighting back constantly in games one and game two to rally back against the D-Backs, something that the D-Backs have done to other teams all season. So for once it was the D-Backs getting punched in the mouth. And this Giants team is just loaded with professional hitters with the JD Davises and the Confortos and the Petersons and the Lamont and the Lamont Wade Juniors of the world. There's no true superstars on this Giants team, it's just a collection of really good players. And they're a team that I really want to look out for as we near the trade deadline because. You know, a month ago when they were sitting in fourth place in the N.L.S., I would have told you that's the perfect team you should go after and call at the deadline to pick up pieces and acquire pieces from that team because they have so many dudes that could just be the perfect number six guy in your lineup or the perfect number three, number four starter in your rotation. But now I'm like, with the Giants team playing the way that they are, with them pushing toward the playoffs, like they should be buyers at that deadline because if they're able to get a big bat in that lineup, maybe have another huge rotation starter this is a team that tried to make a splash in the offseason and wasn't able to do it. Maybe they could do it at the trade deadline because if they can, I do think this is a team that always outperforms expectations. And I don't want to write them off. I think the Dodgers and D backs are definitely on alert after the way the Giants have been playing the last three weeks.
0: I think what they need to do is take what I. They, they need to take the Luis Arise approach. Now, obviously, they're not going to acquire Luis Arise, but mm-hmm. the, the genius of what that move was for Miami was. And I, I'm a broken record about this, but they they didn't care if Luis Ariz had all the sexy saber metrics. They didn't care if he had a, a position. They needed a professional hitter in the middle of that lineup, and Lord knows that's exactly what they got. I think the Giants. It would be great if they could get a big, huge thumper, and obviously they wanted to get Amarin Judge. Uh, that's mm-hmm. not obviously that's not going to happen. But if they could just bring in a solid professional hitter into that lineup just another bat because you're right it isn't a superstar laden team which is why i believe that you compare what's happened with san diego who is a team filled with superstars but if some of the superstars aren't playing up to their potential they fall flat on their face up and down the lineup of san francisco and up and down the lineup of arizona are just professional players Professional hitters that get the rally going. You know, that there's not there's not a lot of giant, like, oh my god, you know, no pun intended, giant holes that you go like, oh God, this is gonna just kill this rally right now. I think that if they have, if they can go out, I don't think they need to make a blockbuster move. I think they need to find mm-hmm. a professional hitter just to keep the rallies going. If there's a runner on second, he's gonna get a hit into the gap and drive him in. And, and another innings-eating starter. Again, it doesn't have you – know, it's not going to be Bumgarner. I mean, is you know, is Bumgarner retired? Is that what's happening here? Because he was DFA'd and that's it. Um, but uh, just an innings-eater. Just someone who you, yeah. you hand the ball to and you they're going to – your bullpen's not going to be worn out. Um
1: but would I you be do. upset at them if they wanted, you know, get a little bit more frisky? Well, if they want to be like, you know what? We let the Rodons and Kevin Gosman's walk in for agency the last couple of years. Let's go replace them with a Shane Bieber or Corbin Burns at the top of this rotation.
0: I think if they acquired Shane Bieber, I think that would be – I would be more interested in Bieber than Burns. Okay. If, if you put Bieber in this rotation, then I think it gets a little scarier because then that moves everyone – because he'll be a number one and i think that moves everyone down a little bit and then suddenly they'll have the pitching depth. If they make a move for Bieber then look at i still think they're i mean look at uh, a lot of things can happen. We're going to be talking about the mets in the in the final segment of this episode. But we're at a point in the year where we can't keep saying well it's early pretty soon. You know, in in, in yeah, less a than a week. Over. In, in less than a week we'll be in July. You know, you have to this is the point of the year as I said, we're in that middle section of the year where teams have to make hard decisions to say, what are we? And you can say all you want, you know, the Braves had a losing record in July, all you want. And then they went on to win the world series, but that was kind of an outlier. You know, you, you know, for some of the teams they are going to have to really take a long, long look in the mirror and say, should we go for it? Should we pull the trigger? But I think for San Francisco, if they could acquire a Bieber, uh, I think you have to do it.
1: I yeah, think you and I'll talk and outside the Braves, I don't think you'd look at any team in the National League as some, like, juggernaut that you have to go through. So, if I'm the Giants, maybe you could pull off a deal like the Max Scherzer one with the Dodgers and get a little two-for-one special where you get a Scherzer and a Trey Turner. So, I don't know if the Guardians would be interested, but could you get a Bieber and maybe another one there, strong position players? I don't know, like a Jose Ramirez, but maybe someone else in that lineup. Or could you go to, the like, the White Sox and be like, I want Giolito and I want Tim Anderson. I
0: think that that would be more likely to happen with Chicago.
1: Because
0: okay. I think the, the Cleveland is going to make a deal with Burr because they know they're not going to keep them long term, but they also know they have enough pitching to survive. Mm-hmm. And as of this recording, you know, Cleveland's a sub 500 team. That's only two games out of first place. Yeah. Yeah. They can't do a complete teardown when they're a good weekend away from being a first place team in July.
1: But didn't you they know, just announce, like, McKenzie out for a few weeks? They could blow up this season if they want to, at least. But just, you, you
0: you still have a shot to make the
1: playoffs. Yeah.
0: With decent pitching. I mean, you can't – I mean, I'm sorry. When the carrot is there of – and this is why, you know, even for a team like Chicago, who is a demonstrably bad team, but they're only six games out of first, and the team they're chasing is barely over 500. It's not like – they. it's not like – Chicago is, you know, is in a division with Tampa. You know, it's like, it's possible we could have a good second half. And it's possible, like, just, uh, I have to go, when was the last time Minnesota had a winning season and then had a disastrous second half? You have to go all the way back to 2022. You know, I mean, you see teams completely pull a Hindenburg over the last couple of years. So if you're Cleveland with the longest World Series drought of all time at this point, or at least current one, to say, are we going to really sacrifice a chance to go to the postseason? You know, I mean, I, I don't know. It's This is why they get paid the big bucks and I don't. But what? I I do think Chicago, because they have players like Giolito. They have players like Dylan Cease. They have players like, I, I don't think they're going to trade Tim Anderson unless they're overwhelmed. But you could get like two good pitchers from them. And if the White Sox are dangling more than one good pitcher, they could say, hey, we want to take one of your top prospects. And if you give us one of your top, you can get two major league pitchers and we get one of your we we get a legit building block for the future. Um, Yeah, I think they'd have to. I think the Giants would have to do that. And quite frankly, I think Los Angeles should do that, too.
1: Well, the Dodgers, I'm never going to count out because they're always liable to make a deal. I think this trade deadline is just going to be so interesting because there's so many teams that could convince themselves either to blow it up and just tank out the rest of the season or like, you know what? I'm only a few games out of a wild card spot. I'm only a few games out of my division lead. Maybe I should go out there and acquire more pieces and try to add to this roster and at least make the postseason. I think we're going to see more teams that – ever just second guess guess what kind of direction they should head in at the deadline if they even think they have a shot of doing anything once they make the postseason
0: i think shane bieber's going to la wow i think that's where i think it's going to happen because la has a ton of prospects and they could use a bieber i think the giants are going to make a deal with the white Sox for one for one or two of their
1: pitchers how about the d-backs we could use some of these guys
0: well, the D backs are, you know, the D backs are going to just, they're going to, they're going to just rely on that little Miller Thomas magic. And Ooh. I don't know, it's up to you. Maybe they, what do you think, what do you think the D backs should acquire?
1: I love anyone in that right uh, White Sox rotation. I like anyone in that Guardian's rotation. I just want a number three, number two starter for the D backs.
0: All right. Well then guess what? Giolito goes to the to San Francisco and Cease goes to Arizona and Woo! Bieber and Bieber goes to uh uh Los Angeles.
1: Oh my god, Cease and Zach Allen, Merrill Kelly, i would probably die if that trio formed. Yeah, together.
0: that that that'd be a hell of a trio right there.
1: Yeah. I think the D backs would have a legitimate shot at winning it off that happened.
0: And so we have a bunch of teams that are thinking about buying so they can have a long October. But one of the can't-miss-October teams is already selling, and that's a surprise move. All right, if you're watching this on the Diamondbacks feed, the Locked on Diamondbacks feed, uh, my good friend Miller Thomas has left in all sorts of residue of my allergy attack that I've been having all week long. So thank you for watching a uh, locked on allergies. Uh, me, I, I have the good taste of cutting that out. The Mets were like almost a lock to be going to the postseason this year. Now, to be fair, I picked Atlanta to win the East. But do you remember how I did? I did with a coin toss because I thought it was that close between the Mets and the Atlanta Braves. And if by that close, I mean 15 games apart, two more than two weeks of games separate Atlanta and the Mets right now. And over the weekend, the Mets dealt Eduardo Escobar to the Los Angeles Angels. Yep. And lo and behold, uh, the Angels added a you know added a nice infield piece, but the Mets are selling.
1: Yeah, it might they might be selling? I don't know. I mean, Fogo Power. I don't know how much of a Star Wars he was in that lineup. I don't know how much of a critical piece he was, but he could be potentially the first domino, the first precursor to a big trade deadline for the New York Mets as sellers because we know they have one of the biggest payrolls in Major League Baseball. And so far this season, I mean, if you actually go ahead and look at the standings, it's actually incredible how far down they are in their own division. What are they right now? At the time of us recording this, they're 15 games back of the Atlanta Braves in the NL East. I think they're like in half games back of a wild card behind teams like the Pittsburgh Pirates. So it's super bad for the New York Mets right now, but I don't know if Eduardo Espar is the first domino to them selling. It could be a little foreshadow Going there but he's also just a guy that hasn't had that good of a year for them and is getting older as well
0: yeah but still I mean I mean look at I it it may just be a roster shuffle movie it's it's not like they traded Pete Alonso no. you know but it is an interesting piece of optics that the first team to trade a veteran for young players are the Mets I actually think it's kind of smart and I admire it um Because maybe it isn't going to happen this year. And so maybe the dumbest thing they could possibly do is act like it is. Now, I don't, there's, you know, Ryan Finkelstein and everyone at Locked on Mets have been posting is, you know, is Buck Showalter on the hot? I don't think he should be. Buck Showalter didn't suddenly become dumb. The Mm -hmm. team isn't playing well. But I don't think you go from manager of the year one year to being fired the next unless you're Mike Schilt of the Cardinals. So I think that maybe it's smart. They've got in a couple of young pitchers. The, the you know, A lot of members of the front office of the Mets were involved with the Angels front office. Maybe they know something about these prospects. They're like, hey, uh, we could use someone like him. Maybe there's not enough room for Eduardo Escobar. I don't know. But it is interesting that maybe the Mets should not do a full-on sell, but maybe they should. Maybe they should stand pat. Maybe they should stand pat. Scherzer's going to be gone. Scherzer's contract ends. They're going to have some more money spent. Now, my cousin Dave, who is one of the biggest Mets fans I've ever met in my life, asked me, you know, straight on, "Will the Mets ever win with with the Cohen money?" And I think they will. But maybe it'll take a little bit of growing pains. You know, he's throwing lots of money at it and everything, and it hasn't worked out so far. But at least it's changed the culture from the Mets being cheapskates who don't bring anyone in. They've brought in people, and it hasn't worked yet. But, uh, you know, know, if they had won one more game last year, one more game they would have won the division – and maybe they would have been in a better position than playing the wild card series against San Diego. I digress.
1: Yeah, but I, I
0: I think that I think it would be smart for the Mets to stand pat instead of being major sellers or buyers
1: yeah because my thing with the Mets is I love their philosophy and their ability to spend money I just don't like the guys that they've spent money on the last couple of years I think we've really overrated this lineup construction I think their rotation has was their strength last season and they kind of retooled that this year and it just hasn't been as strong and it has been a big reason why they haven't been as good this year when we look at the Scherzers and Verlander just not being able to perform at the level that we expected them and then you look at the lineup with guys like Lindor and the Canas and the Escobars and the Starling Martes like I never thought the The Mets had one of the most elite lineups in the National League. I always thought they were maybe fifth at best when you look at the Dodgers, the Braves, the Phillies, the Padres. I never thought the Mets were that tier one lineup when I compared it to those guys. So for this Mets team, I just think that maybe they do need to retool their roster a little bit. I always felt like they had – players in their lineup that was a little overrated. I was never a huge Lindor guy. He's been not that great so far during his Mets career. I think Pete Alonso was a stud, but the rest of his lineup, like Nimo, got a huge contract extension this past season. He's been good, not great for them. The rest of the lineup has been kind of average. The rotation just hasn't been good enough. I think this Mets team, they shouldn't blow it up. I don't think they're at this point yet, but at the deadline, at the offseason, I wouldn't mind them retooling this roster a little bit. You keep some of your stalwarts, some of your foundational pieces, like the like the Pete Alonzo's of the world, um, the Sangas of the world I still love. But the guys who are just underperforming and making a lot of money, maybe shuffle some of those guys out and bring some new pieces in.
0: Yeah, I think they may be right. But, uh, you know, just at this point, it's just strange here because, he, you know, it's one of the reasons why when people talk about it's not fair that this team acquires all these big stars, you can't ever yell that because you don't know how the stars are going to gel. You really don't. Um, Well, look at the West is interesting. London's interesting. The Mets are interesting. And I forgot to um, tell you who got the trivia question, right? Um, uh, The question was, Willie Mays wore number 24 throughout his career with the Giants and the Mets, except when he came up from the minors. What number did he initially wear in the major leagues? Uh, rest, rest, Resta Unique is one of my followers. Uh, Amy Green is another one of my followers. A bunch of people actually got it right, um, he, but those were the first two who sent it my way. He wore number 14. He wore number 14 when he first came up. So that's that piece of trivia. Good job there. Here's today's another number one. When uh, Reggie Jackson signed with the Yankees after playing a year with the Baltimore Orioles, Reggie wore number nine when he was a star with the A's and and his one season in Baltimore. But when he came to the Yankees, Greg Nettles would not surrender number nine. Eventually, Reggie adopted number 44 in honor of Henry Aaron. But briefly in spring training, and you can see it in some of the spring training films, Reggie wore a different number. After he, when he realized he couldn't get number nine and before he adopted 44, what number was Reggie Jackson assigned before number 44? This is super obscure. Let's see if you can get it. Some of my ones who we'll always get these trivia questions right send it to Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Pockets, Instagram or down here in the comment section of the YouTube page. Uh, those are where you can find me, Miller Thomas. Where can they find you?
1: You can follow me on Twitter, at times 24 for my personal account. Look up Locked on Diamondbacks both Twitter, Instagram for the podcast handle, we're on all your streaming platforms, of course. And we're on YouTube, Locked on Dimebacks on there as well.
0: All right. Well, talking about baseball from the western of the United States all the way to London. And finding out whether we should have 30 minor league teams in Europe, I think they should. This has been a Locked On MLB, Locked On Diamondbacks crossover. He's Miller Thomas. I'm your pal Sully. Let's fist pump for another week.